I am, I'm a fangirl. I will start out with that. But I'm a fangirl, not just of your music. So I'm excited when I see you do things like win Grammys. And I'm excited, though, when I see you do things that are social activism. So, Archer, can you share with us to start out what you're doing now? I don't mean right oh now. You're sitting in a bright yellow hoodie in your home in New York. But what are you doing yeah. professionally? Well, I'm, I, I am I am involved in so many things. We just finished uh, doing our uh, part of our concert series. Uh, we paid tribute to a percussionist who passed recently, who was actually one of the most innovative percussionists that I'd ever known. His name is Eddie Bobain. We'd had a wonderful concert at Hostos uh, Performing Arts Center with the Afroland Jazz Orchestra, my 18-piece big band, and a guest curator named Michelle Rosewoman, and a Roomba group with some incredible uh, Afro-Cuban percussionists. And it, it just, it spanned so many different genres and styles. And sometimes I look at the things that I do and I realize there's no one else who's mixing up rumba with jazz, with Latin, with composition. And so that was really exciting for me. And I'm also in the midst, here's, here's something interesting. I, we, our bass player just moved to Europe. And so we're having bass player auditions and we uh, did a very dem- democratic process. We s- sent the word out far and wide and received hundreds of video submissions. And we chose 12 finalists to see in New York and five of them were women. (laughs) I was so excited. I was, I was so thrilled and, 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 and they all played beautifully. I mean, it was just, it's, it's, it's such a thrilling moment to me because I hate the way that things have been done. The way that the the system that I was handed was here, you call your buddy and your buddy calls you because you guys are going to give each other work. And it's just such a broken system. And so I'm happy about that. I'm in the middle of doing so many things. I'm in the middle of planning for uh, a recording uh, in June. I'm in the middle of uh, um, doing a trio recording. We we just fit, we're getting ready to tour. We're doing huge concerts in the summer. And um, so when you say the we, really big thing, we is the Afro Latin Jazz Orchestra, which okay. is part of which is really the performing face of the nonprofit that I founded 15 years ago called the non, the Afro-Latin Jazz Alliance. And the Afro-Latin Jazz Alliance is, is actually, as quiet as it's kept, it's what I really do. What I really do is build campfires. And the Afro-Latin Jazz Alliance is the biggest campfire I've ever, ever built. It's a nonprofit. We uh, perform, educate, and preserve a very specific slice of New York and American culture, which is, of course, Afro-Latin music. But it's just an entry point because Afro-Latin jazz, Afro-Latin music is just a way to open the conversation about what music is, let alone what jazz is, let alone what Latin is. And so we, we begin to talk about culture. We begin to talk about equity. We begin to, 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 to really understand who's telling the tale for whom in this music that we call jazz, that we call Latin, that we call whatever. I'm a classically trained musician with like jazz proclivities and a sombrero because of my pedigree. So I, I don't see the, 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 the divisions, but the Afro-Latin Jazz Alliance, which put this concert on, which has, uh, 
35, 50 teaching artists in 21 New York City schools, a pre-professional training program. Um, we educate in the incarcerated population, nursing homes, community centers. Um, we have a, a touring season, a performing season, a recording season. We have uh, we preserve uh, artifacts, memorabilia, and scores and parts of, of, of music that no one else would possibly do so. And in so doing, we, we were really kind of stating there, by the way, I'm in Brooklyn, as you can tell. <laughs> Just letting you know, if you hear a siren, we're in the people's people's republic thereof <laughs> but 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 we we just had the biggest most unbelievable development in our history uh we the city of new york invited proposals to build uh affordable housing in spanish harlem and the contractor by the name of mega and the community services provider by the name of lantern invited us to be a cultural partner, and uh, they proposed this 18-story affordable housing uh, unit in uh, Spanish Harlem with a, a, a performing arts cultural component. And we, I testified before HUD commissioners and elected officials, and lo and behold, they chose to construct Timbali Terrace. So we will be constructing Timbali Terrace in Spanish Harlem at 118th Street and Park Avenue, complete with uh, 600 units of affordable housing, which New York is desperately in need of. And for the first time ever, the Afro-Latin Music Arts and Community Performing Arts Center. So we were gonna we're gonna have a stage, we're gonna have classrooms, we're gonna have a recording studio, we're gonna have office suites, a digital editing suite, and a community cafe. And so I know that my life is is not my own for the foreseeable future. I'll be tap dancing a lot to keep this campfire uh, lit. <laughs> Wow. So I was going to say observation number one, it sounds like you don't say that anything is not your swim lane, that, that you don't divide yourself into categories or this is not my space. It sounds like, let me back up. We as how many people then in the foundation are doing all these things to keep the campfire, campfire lit? Well, I have a full-time executive staff of eight. I have a part-time staff of four. I have, as I said, a 20-piece, 18-20-piece orchestra, uh, 35 to 50 teaching artists, uh, an army of interns and a board of directors, and an army of volunteers. And so a lot of people are mission-driven in my life, which thrills me to no end because nobody's making that much money in my life. <laughs> To my care. So I've and I've really and, beautiful people. I have an executive director. Okay, I was going to say, and you're say, a well, band leader. So in the midst of this, you're a creator. You compose. I do. You're a pianist. I am. You're a teacher at UCLA. Very much and so. And a parent of two kids. Yeah, and, and a dean, an associate dean. So my life is dean, very complicated. And a husband. Yes, any, indeed. Any other definitions in there of pieces of this incredibly full life? <sighs> you know, the, the thing that occurred to me is I'm still a child. I'm still a son. My mother and father are gone, but I still feel very often uh, that that I still very often feel like I'm I'm, I'm a son to them. Um, I don't know what else. I don't cook very well. <laughs> I, I I wish I cooked a little better than I do. Um, 
And I'm just you're, trying you're to. You're a Grammy winning musician. How many yeah, Grammys I'm up for two now. You're I have seven now. and I'm, I'm up for two more, yeah, which is really thrilling. We're recording this in March of, of 2022. Um, and then, I'm really thrilled about this one. Okay. Why are you thrilled about I was, this one? I was going to say, because two two reasons. I have up for two. The first one is a best Latin jazz album, and I'm really proud of this recording because this recording came about uh, when the pandemic hit. I freaked out because I saw that a lot of people were out of work, and I didn't know what to do. I, I felt like I had to do whatever I could to keep the family together and to keep people's people's plates full. So I started this stream, a weekly stream that we put together in, uh, of musicians filming themselves a recording, and then we assemble it in edit, video editing, and then we also mix it professionally, obviously. But we stream it every week on, on Facebook and YouTube. It's called Virtual Birdland. And, and when we first started it, we just did it to raise funds to help uh, freelance artists who had lost their livelihoods. So I'm really proud of that story. I'm really proud of the story of 18 extraordinary musicians who showed up for work and helped, helped alongside flight attendants and grocery store clerks. And, and we raised a lot of money that we gave out in $200 $500 grants that literally helped some people stay in New York and helped some people stay in their field. Um, I, I'll never forget getting an application from a stand-up comedian. I'm a big fan of stand-up comedy, so that was like a real high point for me. So I'm really, I'm really proud of my musicians. Um, and then the other recording that is up for best instrumental composition is 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 my Blue Note recording debut, um, and it's for music that I wrote for a Cuban dance company uh, called Malpaso. And so the, these two recordings, I don't, you never know if you get them or not, but I I just want the story to be told, both the story of Cuba. And it's continuing a uh, uh, suffering at the hands of the United States. Uh, uh, President Biden has refused to overturn all the Trump sanctions uh, that were imposed on the Cuban people. And the people of Cuba are continuing to suffer incredible poverty and uh, uh, incredible hardship because of uh, some insane uh, 60 year old uh, congressional act that really basically does nothing does not stop socialism or communism. So both of these things, both of these missions, both of these stories are really important to me. When you get a Grammy, yes, it's nice to have the statue and all that, but it's more important that the story be told of why you are who you are. And then on the other hand, the other, the other kind of result of getting Grammys, it enables me to walk into uh, foundations and get more money to put more saxophones in the hands of kids in the inner city schools. So it, it all works, you know, and it, and it also is giving a space for your activism. So the prior Grammys that you got were for an album that was a different set of voices. Yeah. Yeah. I got an, a Grammy for best original, best instrumental, comp no, best Latin jazz album for four questions, which is a recording that I did with Cornell West. Uh, deals with the four questions posed by W.E.B. Du Bois in his seminal work, The Souls of Black Folk. And it came out uh, during a very, very, very strong year for racial reckoning. And Dr. West could not be clearer as a voice of conscience in our day and age. Some people find him troublesome. Some people find him uh, uh, an extraordinary civil rights hero. It doesn't matter what you think of Cornel West. He is a voice of reckoning. 
he insists that we deal with who we are. And I, I, I find that personally incredibly uh, rewarding to know that there are people like Cornell and they're speaking out. Now, I'm surprised that a recording like with with strange music, choruses and strange meters and all kinds of like bizarre orchestrations and Dr. Cornell West uh, would win a Grammy. But you know what? I find that in a way, having a measure of commercial success with question with not questionable, but with with challenging art is proof that there are people I don't believe in the stupidity of the listening public. I believe the listening public is smart. I believe there are people buying music that is active, that's socially active. And I believe there are people listening to recordings that are challenging. And I believe that they understand that the need for art is to progress. The need for art is to be journalistic, truth-telling. And and that's what I try to do with every record I make. We began this a long time ago with a record called The Offense of the Drum, 40 Acres in a Borough. Uh, Cuba, the conversation continues. All my records are, are, are without a doubt social and political statements, which has alienated me from large parts of the jazz world, but also brought me into greater uh, prominence with large parts of the jazz world. There are institutions that won't touch me and institutions that invite me back year after year after year. So, you know, the, the lesson being that if you speak your truth, you're going to offend some and also endear some. So I want us to go backwards in time. And um, I am assuming, especially from your parentage, there wasn't a time where you weren't doing music. How old were you when you started or remember doing music? I remember being six years old, maybe uh, younger, and stealing into my father's composing studio and improvising, sitting at the piano and pretending I was directing an orchestra. And I think I remember uh, uh, mimicking a, a, a applause, <sighs> crowd noise. And I would improvise these things that I just pretended were symphonic works. And that was as a kid. And of course, being the son of a Latin, uh, an Afro-Cuban pioneer, Chico Farrell, it was expected that I would follow in his footsteps. So I, of course, was sent to Manhattan School of Music Preparatory Division at the age of six. And uh, I rode the 104 bus up and down Broadway with my Bach and Beethoven, Mozart. And strangely enough, I could I had a little bit of talent. So I could actually play the piano with some measure of skill. Um, and so I got, you know, <laughs> and and I did it dutifully. Because, at, at, you know, on my free time, I would listen to Elton John um, and Chicago and Blood, Sweat and Tears. And I know those <laughs> ancient bands that nobody knows about anymore. So your family <laughs> moved from Cuba to the United States to New York? No, I, my father moved to Los Angeles first, met my mother okay. there, and then moved to Mexico, where I was born, and then from okay. Mexico to New York. And so, um, How did he meet your mom? I think that uh, they met, she was, a, she was, my mother was a wonderful, wonderful singer. 
And my father just must have fallen in love with her, heard her sing somewhere and invited her to sing with him. It's a real I Love Lucy story in a way. I mean, because he was a beloved band leader in Mexico. He had his own orchestra. She sang with him. They traveled. Um, and eventually, I guess, that you know, New York beckons, as it does many people, as Los Angeles does many people. And uh, there but for the grace of God, I could have ended up in either location. Thank God I ended up in both. And I'll tell you something really funny about this. This is really wild. The last year of my mother's life, she had a little bit of dementia. And she would periodically look at me and go, Mijito, how do you like living in Los Angeles? And I'd look at her and I'd say, Mom, I don't live in Los Angeles. This went on for a year. And I didn't had no clue that I would end up being on the faculty of UCLA, where I literally live half the year. So you were you were training in piano from a very young age. Was this then where your heart? It, it you said they started kind of on a more obligatory basis. Did this yeah. catch fire for you? Did you instead want to be an I, activist? Did you want to be some other? I can tell you, I can tell you exactly what happened. This is a true story. For some reason, my mother and father kept everything under lock and key. They locked the phone. They locked the living room. They locked the record collection. I don't know where that was from. But somehow I broke into the living room. I broke into my father's record collection. And I pulled out the very first album I could, which was uh, Miles Davis's greatest hits. And there was something about Miles Davis's face uh, that just... I said, I, I got to hear this music. So I put this record on and I heard Seven Steps to Heaven. And I tell this story a lot, but it's really true. I felt like the heavens opened up. I felt like a light shone down from heaven. And I felt like a choir of angels validated the fact that all I wanted out of life, all I wanted out of existence, out of sentience, was to be able to play like Herbie Hancock. <laughs> That's all I wanted. And 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 and, and it, it took several decades before I realized that being able to play like Herbie Hancock is not happiness, that being famous is not happiness. It took several decades of knowing that being able to make a living as a musician is not happiness. It took me a long time to realize that happiness, for me anyway, is marrying your conviction with your art. That is when mm -hmm. I really began to experience uh, satisfaction. And, and, and having been able to do that, to create the Afro-Latin Jazz Alliance and the Afro-Latin Jazz Orchestra and to do social and politically active work and uh, active, I mean, politically aware recordings and, and find a measure of acceptance and success in that. All of that has led to this moment where we're about to enter into a physical brick and mortar manifestation of my social and political ideology. It's absolutely crazy. When did crazy. you start... When did you start exercising that side of you? Music was early. When did you start to take a heart stance in the world in, in addition to your music? I remember the moment that happened. I remember it was during a cruel despot's reign in New York City. A horrible man by the name of Rudolph Giuliani was the mayor at the time. And he started... Uh, because he was the mayor that generally uh, acquiesced to gentrification. And all of a sudden you had very wealthy people moving into very poor neighborhoods. And the first thing that wealthy people do when they move into poor neighborhoods is complain about the noise. <laughs> That's the first thing they do. So he started arresting drummers. <laughs> he started confiscating drums and, and, and cause they had drum circles throughout the parks. And, and, and I remember 
driving with my family to some family vacation upstate. And all of a sudden this idea took root, this offense that the drum represented the wealthy, that the drum represented uh, information and communication and the drum could be used for great good or great bad. And, and, and it's the symbol. So it became kind of this avatar for me of what social justice was. And I really, I literally remember drawing up, writing, typing up a plan for a recording that would be socially active. And it ended up being the offense of the drum. And then around that same time, or several years after that, there was a, the murder of a young black man by the NYPD. His name was Ramarley Graham. And uh, he was in the Bronx and some undercover officer had seen him put something in his waistband and, uh, and followed him into his home without a search warrant, broke down the door, and in the presence of his grandmother and brother, shot him to death. No weapon was found. No drugs were found. And he was the same age as my youngest son at the time. And so that that further galvanized this whole involvement that I now have with uh, uh, music on the inside, mass incarceration. I just finished working on a beautiful recording with Keith Lamar, who's a, a, a young man that's on death row in Ohio because he was accused wrongly of murdering people during an incarceration. The whole story is long, but the point is that my social and political convictions my diatribes against the military industrial complex, my this just absolutely despise that the criminal justice system is slanted towards uh, literally hurting and, 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 and destroying the lives of young black and brown men. I mean, there's so many things about the world that call me into action that say to me, you have a voice, you have a platform, you have no choice. And you, the truth of the matter, and this really, is what I believe. And I know a lot of people will preach that art should be abstract, that artists should not have opinions, that artists should be about beautifying the world. And I say, bull. I say that the artist has a responsibility to reflect. I assume you don't say it nicely at times. I've said it in worse ways. I'm assuming ways. it's not just bull most of the time. It, 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 I've been known to, to use a, a, a questionable word or two every, every now and then. But yeah, I, I feel like the, the job of the artist is to unflailingly reflect back to the world for now and forever what they observe. And so that's what I've done. That's how I've lived my life. It's, 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 it's gotten me in much, as I said, it's gotten me in much trouble. It's also liberated me in some ways, in ways that nothing else can. And, um, you know, I literally, I got to tell you a story. This is a, I, I don't think I've told this story ever, but I, it, it really happened. During the uh, middle of the deplorable half-assed administration that we had prior to this one, and we were performing in Birdland. We're performing, and it's a piece that we do called Yegara, 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 which means we will get there. We will get there. We will get there. And I started to introduce this. This is a packed jazz nightclub, one of the most famous nightclubs in New York. And I'm t introducing this tune. And I start by saying, we're going to play a piece that fills me with hope because the words are yegara, yegara, yegara. And no matter how, how much struggles we're going through, uh, we will get there. We, and I start telling people, we will get there. We will get there. We will get there. No matter how depressing the news is coming out of Washington. And as soon as I said that, 
I hadn't even said Trump. I hadn't even said any particular. I just said uh, somebody in the audience yelled out, hey, F you. You don't have a right to say that. And somebody from the bar said, hey, F you. You don't have a right to tell him what to say. This is a jazz club. I'm a band leader for many years. So I immediately like started the piece. And as we're playing, I realized these two parties are fighting and then yelling at each other. And then we continue to play. And at, at the end of that tune, they're still screaming at each other. So I go right into another tune. And as we're playing this tune, I realize that the people who originally yelled out are leaving their seats. There's about five of them. And they're going towards the bar where they're going to get into some sort of altercation with the person who was rightly protecting the right to opinion and free speech in the United States. Anyway, I see that things are about to go out of hand, out of control. And luckily, the owner and the bartender throw these people out, throw them out. And I, at the end of the set, I go up to the, the owner, Johnny Valenti, who's a, a trustee of this music and has been for many years. I go up to Johnny and I say, Johnny, thank you for having our back. And Johnny says, Arturo, I, th- I, I think you should go back in the dressing room. These people are outside and they're giving the Nazi salute and screaming Heil Hitler. Oh, wow. In New York, in Times Square. I mean, and the, the level of, of, of ignorance of the people who were grilling the Supreme Court justice yesterday, the, the, the Katanji, I mean, these people, Ted Cruz, these people are uh, uh, Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, I will not vote. I mean, the, the, the level of hatred and white supremacy that the level of, 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 of disregard for the poor, for, the, uh, uh, for those who have mental challenges, the disregard, the, the violence that is taking place in our cities, in Los Angeles, in New York City, the anger, the level of anger, all of this must be spoken out against. And, you know, I'm sorry that so many of my colleagues in the music business don't do it, but many do. But sometimes it seems to me like, like you know, I was... <laughs> Cornell and I were lamenting sometimes the leadership that we have in our jazz world. And we looked at each other and literally said, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that sting, <laughs> you know? And, 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 and it's, it, it, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't ignore. I can't, I just can't ignore. I can't ignore uh, the sheer level of, 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 what was the word I used today? I don't know. I don't remember. But there, there's a lot of there's a oh psychopathic. I can't I can't ignore the level of psychopath that unbridled capitalism unleashes on the planet. The psychopath is just it's it's completely beyond the pale. You know we we're watching uh, people send penis shaped rockets into space while hundreds of millions of people are dying. Um, it's just it's psychotic, psychotic, and I will not be silenced. I will not ever. And you've taken this with a, a broad array of issues as well. So can you share about your uh, bringing music and musicians between the United States and Cuba? Oh my God. We have been fed so much misinformation about Cuba. Um, yes, there are problems in governance. Yes, there's problems in governance here. There's problems in governance there. Uh, but the Cuban people are noble and uh, resilient people who uh, 
the ones that haven't abandoned Cuba or the ones that haven't left for, for betterment. I understand the need to leave a poor and starving country. God knows we know all about migration. But to come to this country and embrace right-wing capitalism and republicanism because you don't, you know, I've been down there and it's, you know, all the stuff, all the stuff you hear about the party and oppression, freedom of the press. Do you know what it costs to have a good publicist? <laughs> I mean, we don't have freedom of the press. We have misinformation. There were pictures of demonstrations in Cuba with bloodied heads that were later found to be pictures of demonstrations in Colombia. I mean, it, the, the amount of misinformation, the amount of, 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 of anger towards a poor nation, an impoverished nation, the embargo is an act of such criminality that it, uh, it's, 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 one of the, it's one of the truly great criminal acts of the 20th century. And then you know our history of going into countries in Latin America and the Middle East, of supporting puppet dictatorships and coups. We are so guilty of the very thing we accuse Russia of, as ugly as it is. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm being honest. But and the thing about Cuba is I don't go there to support the party or to oppose any. I go there because those people are some of the most noble and beautiful people I've ever seen. They, they, the, the, the truth of the matter is also is that it's my it's my birthright. My blood is Cuban blood courses through my veins. The music, the, 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 the sound of Cuba, the soul of Cuba is inside of me. I don't go there to, to, to prop up this or that established government. And, and you know what? And I talk a lot to government officials in Cuba, and they, they're, they're, they're like, what's going on? The, 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 you know, they're struggling to, uh, uh, to, to, to just survive. We, we, you know, and you're not just making these connections. You're bringing people together in yet another campfire so that it's not just having these beliefs or, or perspectives and, and strong beliefs. But it's actually taking action around them. So you've been both creating music and events to be bringing people together from different walks of musical life between the U.S. and Cuba. It, there's a very balanced series of documentaries called The War on Cuba, produced by Oliver Stone and Danny Glover. And I strongly urge whoever is on the fence Whoever doesn't understand, it's the most, I've been going back and forth to Cuba for 20 years, four and five times a year. I know firsthand of what I speak, and I would encourage anyone who's on the fence about what they think they know about what's going on in Cuba to see this documentary, it's called The War on Cuba, and, um, and then come back and talk to me after that. So what have been the hard decisions you've made as an artist, as a professional what have been the things that you have taken big leaps to do or have maybe walked into brick walls about? Uh, I think taking on the mantle of administration, taking on the mantle of administrator, having to become, I, 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 I'm fond of saying anybody who seeks leadership should have their head examined and is the last person who should have leadership. I kind of took all of this on because no one else was doing it. No one else was taking Latin jazz and insisting that it was African. No one else was taking Latin jazz and insisting that it could be creative. That it didn't have to just be mambos. 
No one else was taking this music and saying, that's much bigger than Latin or jazz. In fact, it's Middle Eastern and South Asian. No one was taking on these big issues. And all of it has involved a tremendous amount of sacrifice on my part uh, to administrate. I'm the world's worst administrator, but I'm smart enough to delegate. I would say no, but that's because I've worked with a lot of really bad administrators. <laughs> I, I'm smart enough as an administrator to to surround myself Bring with really people. brutally talented people. <laughs> but that yeah. that has no, been I, that I has totally been, agree with that. That has been that has been a real load for me to 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 be an artistic director, a professor, a dean, a composer, a pianist. I don't balance anything well. That's that. In fact, if if if, if truth be told, that's probably the, the 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 thing that most people tell me is you need to learn to say no. Um, but the sense, the urgency of what I see is is bigger than even my own comfort level. Um, other other hard decisions. Um, I mean, I've I've you know I've probably traumatized my children. Hopefully, if I'm if I'm lucky, they'll have big therapy bills and. Um, and they'll go on to make their own well, are hideous both mistakes. Are your sons musicians? Are they ever? Right now, they're both in Europe touring. <laughs> they're both in Europe touring. They're both brilliant. My son, Zachary, is like literally amongst, and I know that people are going to think this is partial, and I want to talk to this issue for a second, too. He's literally one of the best drummers I get to play with. And my other son, Adam, he's a trumpet player, he's a composer. His recording got like top 10, one of the top 10 jazz records of 2021 by the New York Times. My record didn't even get that, <laughs> which is really, really cool. Um, I remember talking to you and he was practicing walking behind you and I was just hearing, <laughs> hearing they're, horn they're, go by. They're, they're both home. extraordinary musicians, but but to me, they're, they're, they're really sweet human beings. And that's because my, my, my wife is very down to earth. She's very, very, very even keeled. Like my saying, my mantra, I just made this up. So it hasn't been widely publicized. My mantra is accept chaos, embrace chaos, be the chaos. And Allison's mantra is if it's not biting at your heels, leave it be. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so together we That's balanced each other out. It, it, we really balanced each other out. And I think my kids, and sometimes I look at them and I see a lot of her and just enough of me. <laughs> and I'm so grateful for that. <laughs> Fascinating. Um, we've been talking already for a half an hour and it's been really wonderful. We probably could and should talk after this uh, about where you'd want to go with a lot of this work. But um, anything that you'd like to mention we haven't talked about in our conversation? I am. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of things that I would say. I mean, I, I know I had one thing specifically that I wanted to talk about, and I don't remember what it is. Maybe it's aging <laughs> that I wanted to talk about. I don't know. I, 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 I am. You are two years older than me, so be careful how this goes. Uh oh. Okay. Well, I, I, I am definitely <laughs> not going to. I'm not touching this. <laughs> No, no, no. Keep going. Keep going. Aging is an interesting relative term, but aging. Well, I've, I've, I've been thinking about uh, secession and moving on and finding the next voice of leadership. Uh, and I don't know how to find it. I don't know where it's going to come from, but I, I'm hoping that it's, I'm hoping that whoever takes over what I've built is a woman. <laughs> 
maybe a woman of color, maybe someone who is ready to 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 take it past way past where I've taken it because you know I I see that the work that I do is not music. As I said, it's 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 campfire building, and it's interconnected, it's interdisciplinary, and it is something that uh, that I really really don't want to disappear. I don't. I think there are not enough people who are connecting social political activism with culture, conversation, and art making, and and it's it's not something that's easy to do or popular. People's Republic. Um, <laughs> you can't escape the sounds of Brooklyn. You really can't. Well, Arturo, we're going to have you back on the show, time permitting. Um, you have all sorts of great irons in the fire here. If people are in New York, they can see you right now. Again, we're recording this in March 2022. You've been doing concerts and shows. How can people reach out to you? We're going to put things in the show notes so they can find your great music and the things we've mentioned. How could they find you? And what do you need right now? They can certainly find me through uh, my website, ArturoFarrell.com, AfroLatinJazz.org. They can find me performing this summer some really extraordinary concerts. We're doing uh, a recreation of my uh, concert, uh, Cuba Meets Kaliji, the Middle Eastern Roots of Afro-Cuban Jazz, uh, is, is in this beautiful park in New York called Little Island Park. And we're also doing, I did a documentary two years ago three years ago now, uh, that was released by HBO Max called Fandango at the Wall, which deals with the concerts that we did at the Tijuana, at the border of Tijuana and San Diego. And it follows us as we voyage to Veracruz to find the masters of Sonar Ocho Music. It's a really beautiful film, but we're, we're actually going to recreate that incredible experience adventure at uh, Brooklyn Bridge Park with some unbelievable artists, um, that were also part of the recording. Um, it's all very, it's, it's, you know, they, they can also find me in my office in Austin music building, uh, room 208, in the Schoenberg school of music at UCLA. Don't just drop by though. Please make an appointment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give when, me a you're, call. when you're splitting your time between Los Angeles and New York. By the way, I love Los Angeles. I'm not one of those New Yorkers who's like, I love Los Angeles. I have, we discovered so many incredibly beautiful things and neighborhoods and pockets. And I live in Culver City, which is the People's Republic of Culver City, just like uh, Brooklyn. It's a walking place. You can walk everywhere. There's funkitude. I mean, it's, it's, I'm happy in Los Angeles. Well, um, next time you're back in Los Angeles, you can see the the People's Non-Republic of Monrovia, and we can get together and talk. I'm near I love the, it. I'm near the Pasadena area, not near Culver City, but it's been great having you on the show, and I'm looking forward to keeping track of your adventures and actually maybe prying you into a few more areas of mischief. So I, I can't wait to interact. We we got to we got to do some damage, you and I. We got to do some damage. We will do some damage. So <laughs> thank so you, much. Gigi. Take care.
Thanks for listening to Creative Innovators. We are expanding our footprint. So we invite you to go to creativeinnovatorspodcast.com and find us on Substack, where we are creating a new matrix of our past shows that you can find them more easily and find them along with the Career Adventure Guide content, where you can take your own career and use some of the tools in the setup to both be inspired by past episodes of Creative Innovators, as well as become a bigger and better creative innovator yourself. We're also launching in a couple of other platforms this year. So stay tuned and join our lists and and find out where else you can find and combine with creative innovators in 2024.